0: Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for one tough mother. Uh-huh. All right, all right, all right. You like my purse? Kind of like a bag, like a beach bag. Um, the park bag. Grocery bag. Cosmetic bag. No, no laundry bag. No laundry boo. You like it? Has a little pocket? It's nice and spacious. Let's see, what do I have here? You don't want that. You should have your own of this, so I'm gonna keep mine. But if you like this and you are a mom and you're here this morning, you get a bag and you get a bag and you get a bag. And you get a bag and you get a bag. So, at the end of the service, we had this made for all the mothers in the house. So, at the end of the service, on your way out, don't worry, you don't have to like run out. We got plenty. We believe in abundance. So, we got plenty for you. So, that is for you as a Mother's Day gift. Thank you. That was my attempt at sports. That's why I'm not athletic. That is proof that I must stay in my lane. How is everybody doing this morning? Happy, happy Mother's Day. You know, it is a, a funny day. People always, you know, I enjoy special occasions. I do. I mean, I get it that we should be celebrated all the time. And that is true. But there's nothing wrong with taking a day And corporately, as a nation, celebrating someone specifically. That doesn't mean that the dads are not celebrated. We're celebrating you in a little bit. But not today. In a little bit. Not today. Today's about us. So, you know, I think it's great. So it doesn't matter where you are, you know. And like Pastor said, if you're a mom or you're going to be a mom, and some of us, you know, this could be a little tricky. Because, you know, some of us don't have children that we wanted or some of us, our moms have gone on and, you know, I decided uh, several weeks ago that this was going to be a great day. I mean, there's no other. I decided it's going to be a great day because this is this is my reality and I choose to celebrate the memories so I challenge you wherever you are in your life um, with this day and I know some people say, like, you know you need to be sensitive because there's some people that are sad okay I'm going to be sensitive but I'm going to ch- encourage you don't be don't be don't be choose to celebrate if 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 you didn't have a great relationship become one become what you wish you would have had if you had an amazing one like me and you missed her every day then you remember and you laugh and you live like she would have want you to live so can we put our hands together for all the moms in the house (laughs) We are bossy like that in my house. We decide it's going to be a good day, so everybody must have a good day. So, uh, so moms, moms are nurturers, right? They're sweet. They're loving. Even people that are not sweet by nature become sweet when they become a mom. I know that because that happened to me. Because, and that happened to my mother when she became my grandmother. Because mm. my mother, we're just not sweet. I mean, we're not mean. We're just spicy. Spicy. You know, we're more bold, but we're not mean. That doesn't mean, you know, we have feelings. We get our feelings hurt. Um, But when I became a mother, I became sweet to that baby. Then the baby grew up. I'm not sweet no more. But when you're a mom, when you're a mom, I don't care who you are. You see a baby, people start making noises and voices and... All kinds, people transform, because that is, is just in you. In the same way, it doesn't matter what kind of, if you're a sweet, shy, you know, introvert kind of a mom. It's okay, but I don't care how you are. You come a mess without mama's babies, she'll eat you. She will eat you. You see, all the people, that sweet people, so quiet, and they talk like this, and I love them. I wish I could be you. I mean, I try and then I get excited and I find myself screaming. Scott is like, I was like, what's your problem? He goes, You were screaming at me. I said, I am. I was just telling you a story. Like, I mean, we're not fighting. I just get excited in my volume. I don't even realize it. I know. I Scott usually goes, and then that's when I realize that I'm yelling. But it doesn't matter how you are. It doesn't matter how you are. When they come against that that you have given birth, you will transform. Isn't it something that the things that have come out of us, the thing that we have produced, we protect them. That's we should. We should, you know, as we did this this title, One Tough Mother, it's so funny because immediately I think of my mom. And it's funny because even if I wanted to, like, pretend and, like, not think about my mom because it is the first year that she's not here or whatever. Well, no, I mean, like, it's everywhere. One Tough Mother. That is, like, when I look in the dictionary, One Tough Mother, I found the picture of Doris. And, you know, my mom was tough. She was a tough lady. She was, she was in charge. She was bossy. She was in charge. But she was not cold. She was not arrogant. She was not mean. On the contrary, she was aggressive for the people she loved. She, she stood strong for the people she loved. You know what I'm saying? So in talking about want tough mother, I want to make it clear one, what kind of toughness I'm talking about. Because, you know, we want to all be st- at least starting the same page. I'm not talking. I want today. I want today. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm praying. It is my, my hope that God's word today will challenge you, that will encourage you, that will inspire you. And maybe... Push you, regardless of your gender, regardless of where you are in life, being a mom, not being a mom, if you're a dude, it doesn't matter who you are. That we will push you to get that spirit of a tough mother in you to fight for that that is coming against what you have produced, that's coming against your destiny, that is coming against your purpose in life. That is my prayer today. And all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, we see this. Now, now, granted, I'm saying what? That's where that comes against, that that is, that is coming for you what you have produced. I'm not talking about people. I don't want you to leave here and go get in a fight over there because somebody cut you off. You are coming against where I'm going in my life to the restaurant. I'm going to fight because my church said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. It's not about people. We're not going to come against people. But we're going to come... At life, because life is tough. Has anybody realized? Have you been living long enough to realize that life is tough? Anybody? Anybody? I believe that as we study the Bible, that we can become tougher than life. I believe that God intended for us to be tough. God knows life is tough. But he has put in us enough that we will be tougher than life. And as we study the Bible, there's women in the Bible all throughout the Bible. From Eve to Deborah to Jael, who is my favorite. Man, she was a tough mother. If you don't know her story, Google it. I'm telling you. One chapter, but she was, she killed somebody with a hammer and a nail. Yes, she nailed him to the ground, literally in her tent. You got to read the Bible. I'm not going to talk about her today. But there's all kinds of mothers. There's Esther, there's Rahab. I mean, all kinds of personalities. Lydia, Abigail, you know, uh, Mary, the mother of all mothers. And they all have something to contribute. But today I'm going to talk to you about Hannah. So if you know the story about Hannah, you're already thinking, Okay. Where are you going? Because out of all the women in the Bible, really, you're going to go to Hannah? Because on the surface, it seems like she's not very tough. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. So the story that I'm going to talk to you about is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So there is it's one chapter. It's a story. It's a great story. I will, I'm not going to read it for you because between my dyslexia and my accent, we will be here till Jesus come, and I know you got reservations. So we're not going to do that today. So I'm going to tell you the story, and then you can go home and read it and get all the details, because it's such a great... Even if you know the story, I'm going to challenge you this week sometime to reread the story. There's so much in there. So this story involves a man named Elkanah, or if you're Spanish, I mean Elkanah. You can't say that? Okay, Elcana. Elkanah. Uh, and he has two wives. So, very interesting. So, very interesting. He has two wives Penina, who has children, and Hannah, who is barren and unable to have children. So, these, this family, they take a family trip every year and they go to the temple. So, they're from the tribe of Ephraim. They travel to Shiloh and they go to the temple and they're going to offer sacrifice. And they go there and throughout the journey. The Bible talks to us what that journey was like. And the journey was miserable for Hannah. Miserable. Because the Bible says that Penina was her rival, her adversary. And she was taunting her and provoking her to the point to make her miserable. Okay, the fact that there was another wife in existence is going to make me miserable. Well, it's going to make her miserable because she would be dead. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, that was, that was the culture back there. So they're going in this journey. Um, Hannah's being tormented by Penina. Who knows what Ekanah is? The Bible tells us details, but he, he doesn't say. He probably left the room when they were, you know, arguing. So they go to the temple, and Hannah is sad. She's distraught. In that, in that culture, women, the value of a woman came because you were able to have children. And it wasn't like, oh, that's all they wanted to have babies. It was very important. That is very important. Because they were the, through them, they produced the legacy. If they didn't have a child, then that name will not continue to go on. For example, Caleb, if you don't have a male child, we are done. We're dead. Our name is done. Just saying. So... Hannah, now the pressure at the time, at that time, they didn't know that the man, you know, participation is the one that determines, you know, the sex of the child. I'm sure, you know, that Hannah was taking that on. So already she is distraught, not just because Penina is talking, just because of her internal pain. So Elkanah, he goes to the temple and he comes back and they're having dinner and he brings uh, Penina and her children a portion, but he brings Hannah a double portion. She had no children, she did not produce anything. But he brings her a double portion. But Hannah is so bitter and so sad that she cannot eat it. She pushes away the double portion. But she goes to the temple and she's praying and she's petitioning heaven. And she's so emotional that the priest watches her. Everybody, everybody's there in the temple. But he watches her. He assumes that she's drunk. He not only assumes that she's drunk, he goes and confronts her. For being drunk. I don't know about you, but many people have assumed a lot of things about me. But not many have had the courage to come and confront me about what they have assumed about me. That's bold. That's bold. But that's how convinced he was. Because usually you don't go until you really know. That's how convinced he was that she was intoxicated. So he goes and she explains to him that. She's not intoxicated; that she is just heartbroken, and she was praying and just making her petitions known before the Lord. He blessed her. The next morning, they left. They went. The whole family gathered, back, packed back up. They they went home, and the Bible says that when they got home, Elkanah and Hannah got busy. Read it. The Bible. Netflix. Nothing. Bridgerton, nothing. The Bible right here. The Bible said, he didn't say they went to bed. He didn't say they went to sleep. They said they became intimate. They said they were together. Take that penina. Just saying. The Bible don't say that. That was Cindy saying that. Then the Bible says that the Lord remembered Hannah. A few months later, it was evident that Hannah was pregnant. She had a son named him Samuel. And while she was in that temple crying and being presumed drunk, she had prayed a prayer. You need to go and read It's a beautiful prayer where she made a vow to the Lord that if he gave her a son, that she will give him back to him and bring him to the temple. And Hannah honored her word and honored the vow. So that is the story. Now you're looking at me, it's like, okay, that's great. I'm going to go read it. But what does that have to do with Mother's Day? What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? I'm a brother. What, I'm, what, I, I'm not going to have a baby. I don't want to have a baby. I don't, I don't know what's happening here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, and you hear this morning because I believe that the Lord has a word for all of us to encourage you, to encourage you, to encourage me, to equip us so we can become tougher than life. I believe that there's some keys in this story that will help us do that in a very practical way. Are you ready to receive that? Okay, number one. I'm glad that you're ready because I'm going to give them to you because that's what I have on my notes. Okay, number one, obstacles are not a a reason to quit. Just because you and I have obstacles doesn't give us the reason to quit. And I'm talking about big obstacles. Have you ever had an obstacle in life? Ever, ever. Like one that you cannot drive around, you cannot go over it, you cannot burn it, you cannot pick it up, you cannot call your passy. It is unmovable. Hannah had an obstacle. She, she couldn't do anything about it. She couldn't have a child. She had no purpose. It wasn't like, oh, I just want a baby so I can play, I can play with it. She, that was her purpose. She had everything she needed to fulfill her purpose, but she was unable to produce her purpose. Can anybody relate with my girlfriend, Hannah, over here? Because I know I can. And and the thing about this obstacle is that she had no control over it. Because to me, I don't know about you, but to me, the obstacles that I kind of produced in my life, I tend to have a little bit more grace for those optical, obstacles. But when the obstacles come and I had nothing to do with them, I have no tolerance for them. And I get a little bit more desperate. And I, I, I don't seem to find the grace. So I'm going to help you with those obstacles. Because just because you and I are out of our control for that obstacle, because we have no control of that situation, you know, like this world is a falling world. It's corrupt. So things are going to happen. It's nobody's fault. It's just going to happen. We have no control over it. Your family, you can't do anything about the family that you were born in. You have no control over it. People have made choices that find us in situations that we don't like, painful situations. And we had nothing to do with it and we can't do anything about it. I know what it is for other people to make certain decisions and live in a certain way well, it cost me everything, not just financially, but my reputation, my name, every, talking about assumption, and I had nothing. I, and I, I tried to do everything, Keep my mouth shut. I covered everything. It destroyed everything. What do you do with that? It seems the easiest thing to do is just quit. But just because you and I are not in control of that situation doesn't mean that you and I are not in control. Do not get it twisted because God is always in control. And as long as I'm connected to God, I may not have control of this circumstance right here, but my God is in control. Therefore, I control the whole thing because I control the way I respond to the situation. I control the fact that I refuse to quit. So just because an obstacle shows up, don't quit, don't get stuck, on the side of the road because you decided I can't get through it. God will always provide. The Bible says in Romans 5 that the sufferings that we have in life will build that endurance. And that endurance is what's going to make you and I tougher than life. So we must keep going, believing, praying, interceding. That's what Hannah did. The Bible says they were going year after year to the temple. Every year she would go to the temple. Every year she would pray the prayer. Every year she would ask God, please, I want to have children. I want to have a place. She did not quit. Number two, some voices need to be ignored. They need to be ignored because there's some voices that you are not going to be able to get rid of. I do love the fact when you can shut somebody down and walk away, do it. Do it. It is our responsibility to do that. And I believe that with all my heart. But I also believe that I have found uh, myself in a place, I don't know about you, I have found myself in a place where the voice, that Penina voice that was talking, taunting, Humiliating me, highlighting all of my failures—I could not walk away from her because she was a part of my circle. The same way that Hannah, she got that sister wife. I don't know why people even try it. It has not worked for anybody in the history of the world. I'm just saying. But Hannah had sister wife over there, Penina, and she had children, and she had a life. But she took her, her life. She made it her life's mission to provoke Hannah, to taunt her, to irritate her. And the thing about it is what Penina was saying about Hannah was not a lie. What Penina was taunting Hannah with and irritating her with was true. It was a fact. Hannah could not have children. It was a fact. People's actions are always going to hurt so much, right? pastor says that all the time. You know, people say that sticks, we didn't have that growing up, so I never say it right, sticks and stones. Yeah, words will never hurt you. I have found that words hurt me worse than bullets. And they stay, you know what I mean? There's no surgery, there's no stitch for that. And I find it that in my in my life, when I'm going through a difficult situation, when I have that obstacle that I'm, that is, Tempting me to quit. Because the reason I have to tell myself I can't quit is because I'm wanting to quit. Every time I find myself in the situation, that Penina voice is really close to me. Hannah could not get... Penina was a part of her family. They were a part of the same tribe. She was married to her husband. And it was legal. She couldn't kill her. (laughs) Not saying that you and I would, but we could. (laughs) In Jesus' name. <laughs> That's why I love this church. Because it is difficult to ignore those voices. But when I come into this place, into this house, every time I'm in this house, I hear voices of encouragement reminding me how much God loves me, reminding me that God has a plan for me, reminding me not to quit, reminding me that God is going to be able to do exceeding, abundantly, above anything that I can even think at this moment of despair. God is going to be able to do it. That's why we have to surround ourselves with the right voices, yes, but you have to learn to have the to get tough enough to ignore the voices that you can't get away from it. You have have to ignore it because when you read this, when you read the story, not one time did Hannah lash back at Penina. Girl was not Puerto Rican. <laughs> I mean, for so many reasons. Come on. You don't got to say it or I raise your hand, but in your mind, you think people do so much little and we give them a what for? Right? right? Not one time did she respond to Penina's voice, not one. And the Bible gives you details. I mean, it told you that they didn't go to bed. It told you they had intercourse. That's that's what the story says. So it gives you details. So if Hannah would have lashed back, the Bible would have told us. She said nothing. You know why? Because she ignored that voice. Now, I want to go a little further. I don't want you just to ignore those voices on the outside. I need us to also ignore those voices on the inside. Because some of us don't need a penina close to us. Because we got a penina inside. We got a penina right here in our mind. And we, our minds, our thoughts... We battle them, comparing ourselves, speaking negative things to ourselves. I need us to ignore that. That's why it's so important what you put inside. That's why it's so important that you come to the church and you hear those encouraging words. You know, they did a, stati- a study, 1500 people, 18 to 34, and 18 to 34 years old. Over 50 percent felt more unattractive after three months of social media. Penn State did a study and they said 79%, 79%, 79, just in case you can't understand because of my accent, 79 women compare themselves negatively after watching media images. We have to ignore those voices. Because we have to believe. We have to keep that belief alive because that will continue to push us. I also find in this story that another key that you and I can use in order to make ourselves tougher than this life is find favor in the fight. Find favor in the fight. God always puts provision in the pain, always. God doesn't cause the pain. But he knows that in this life, we will have trouble. He warned us already. But he already put everything we need to overcome that. And he said to us that we are able to do everything and anything through his name, through his power. We can do all things. But in the middle of the pain, God always puts provision. And we see this exemplified in the loving husband, Akana. and I know don't be salty with him because he had two wives. That was part of the culture. But this man, we find him in the middle of, I mean, he is in the middle of conflict, in the middle of Penina and Hannah, literally. He's in the middle, in the middle of Hannah's personal pain and disappointment. And even though she's unable to produce for him, he loves her. Okay, I'm done. You want a chick flick? You want a romantic movie? Right here. It was evident that he could have children. He was not the problem. He had sons and daughters with Panina. It was Hannah. She couldn't produce. But he loved her. He reminds me of God. Even when we don't produce for him, he loves us unconditionally. So much so, like, like Elkanah, he, he came and he brought her a double portion. It's like, I know you're in despair. I'm going to give you extra. She don't need it. She didn't eat it. She was so, but he brought it to her. Isn't that like God, that in the middle of a worse circumstances, he gives you a little extra. He sends you a little word, a little encouragement, something so specific that everybody else could have missed it. But you know, don't miss that. Don't miss the favor in the fight. Acknowledge it. Receive it. Elkanah even looks at her. He's my favorite part. I told Scott, I said, I I read this and I I got a tear. I don't cry. I want to cry. It doesn't come out. I cry on the inside. So don't get nervous. I feel it. I'm not stuffing it. It just doesn't happen. But when I read that, I was like, I wonder if Scott would have said that to me (laughs) in that time. He said, I... Am I not more than 10 sons to you? What? In the middle, he's talking right to her pain. Even if she didn't eat the double portion because of her sadness, he deposited that incredible portion of love and words because those words are meaningful, especially in that time because the sons, I mean, to have children was great, but the sons are the ones that carry on the legacy, Caleb. The sons are the ones that carry on the legacy any day now. The sons (laughs) are the ones that carry out the legacy. See, God has a way to put that favor Where we'll put, take that bitterness and make it sweet. Because Hannah, the Bible says that she was so, she was so sad and afflicted that she was bitter. But one thing we find in this story, she did not complain one time to her husband. What? Not one time. Again, I'm under conviction. I want to say she's not Puerto Rican, but I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, we established that a long time ago. Not one time. Now, I think I'm great. You know, I'm not like, you know, for everybody, but for my people, I'm great. But I have been known from time to time to point out to the people around me that that is not working. Some people may call it complaining, I call it excellence check. So as I'm reading this story, when I see that Akhen is here and he's bringing her a double portion and he's telling her all these sweet loves, I'm thinking, come on, girl, come on, give it to him. Because this is the perfect time. He's on her side. He's giving her a double portion and not the other one. So you already know where he stands in this argument. Go ahead, tell him. Because if it was me, do you know what she told me? Do you even know? I know you were there, but I don't think you saw it. I don't think you heard it. I think you were distracted. This is how she said it. And then she did this. And then her eyes, did you see that look? That's exact, I wish I could tell you that I am in a place in my Christian walk that I would not have done that. But continue to pray for me so I get there because I am not there right now. So I'm telling you, all of us can learn from Hannah. Take it to the Lord. That's what she did. She took all of that bitterness and she went to the temple to pray. She went to pray because the only one that could do anything about it was God. She went to pray. To pray? Yes, yeah, she prayed and prayed and prayed. And we say, you know, I know it's so hard to pray so long. I, five minutes, I'm out. It is so hard to pray because the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. That means pray and never stop praying. That's so hard. But we complain without ceasing. Don't we? What if we switched it? What if the time that we spend complaining, we will challenge ourselves to start, switching it around where the complaining is here, the praying is here, little by little, not overnight, because not overnight, but little by little, where next month we're in a better place, where Mother's Day next month, this will not even be, because it will not ever be, because we will be just not complaining ever, ever taking it to the Lord. will not that be great? That would be we're tougher than life, but let's try it. Let's start somewhere. I also will tell you that out of this story, One of the keys that can help us get tougher than life, this is my last point, I only have one closing. You'll have to come next week to hear Pastor Scott for his three closings. (laughs) But he announced them, which I appreciate. Passionate about your pursuit. You and I must stay passionate about our pursuit. You know, Hannah was in pain. She was bitter. She had no purpose. She was worn out because this is year after year, the Bible does say that. But do you know that she was so passionate about the promise that she kept going to the temple and worship? She kept going to the temple. She worshiped and she prayed and she really worshiped and prayed to the point that she was a mess. She was such a mess that in the temple, that's what people do. They were all worshiping. They were all praying. But she was such a mess that the priest confused her behavior with someone that is drunk. Do you know how bad that had to have been? Her face so emotional, her body bent over. I don't, I mean, it had to have been for, and then for him to walk all the way to her. And called her out. But that's how passionate she didn't care what people thought. God help us be a little bit more like that. I'm not saying to be, you know, extravagant. But I'm saying to not care what people think. To go for it. To go for that that God has put in our hearts to do. Go for the business. Work on your marriage. Forget what your boys are telling you. Forget what the girlfriends are telling you. Forget what the media is telling you. Go for what God has put in your heart through his word. Go for it with all of your passion. Eli was not a bad guy. He just misunderstood the situation. The same way you and I should be passionate about our desire for more, to grow, to move forward. You know, people don't understand why you're here this morning. Why would you go to church on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day? They don't understand why Why would you tithe? What? what are you doing with your money? I mean, you want to go? But why Why would you go to Connect Four and then serve and try to build a whole new community? Why would you do that? What's wrong with you? You're a mess. Yeah, you're always talking about, like, I need to go. I got to get to bed, but I'm going to read at least one proverb. Pastor Scott challenged us last week to read at least one proverb a day because we want to get this, this discipline going of getting in the Word because that's how you know what God has for you. And people will be calling you a mess, and they don't understand. They're just misunderstanding. They're just misunderstanding that you are not a mess. You're just going. You're tired of being in the same place and you want to grow, and you know that God has benefits for you, and that He has more for you, and He's going to love you no matter, if you go for it, if you don't go for it, God is going to love you. He's going to bring you even a double portion in your time of need, in the time of despair, when you're the saddest. God is going to provide for you, but He has so much more for you, so much more for We have to stay passionate and engaged We have to protect our heart from offense because Hannah did not lash out at Eli either because I would have. Seriously? You're going to accuse me of being drunk? I mean, because he just went for it. You're not even going to ask, are you okay? Can I help you? We get angry for so little and we walk away and we allow offense to build up and we forfeit what God had for us just because somebody misunderstood. Who cares? Explain. That's what, you know what Hannah did? She explained. She told him, I am in just despair that I was petitioning God for my promise. You know what he did? He blessed her and sent her home. As you stand to your feet, the next day, Hannah and uh, Alkanah and Penina, of course, and her children, They went home. And I have to believe that even though Hannah went home, she didn't stop her pursuit. She was actively trusting the Lord. She didn't go home and sit and have bonbons. She went home, went in the bedroom, and got busy with her husband. Because you and I got to actively pursue our promise. The Lord is going to provide. And in everything we do, he's going to make us tougher than life. But you and I need to do what we got to do. We need to do the natural things that need to be done. And she did. And I'm telling you, refuse that wishful thinking. We have to be actively trusting the faithfulness of God. And Hannah had a son, Samuel. I don't know if you know about Samuel. You can research it. You can read the Bible. You can read First and Second Samuel, one of the greatest prophets that the nation of Israel has ever had. He's the one that anointed David to be king. He's the one that tells us all of that. When Hannah took the son back, she dedicated him. It wasn't like a party and then everybody goes home and eats cake. It was like she gave him to the temple. She gave her, she surrendered her promise to the temple. Because the whole story, the whole thing was about surrender. You want to be tough? you want to conquer life? We got to surrender to God because when we surrender to God, then that promise will continue to produce and produce and produce because Samuel anointed David. David had Solomon. There was a lineage and there we get Jesus and we get salvation. Her promise is still blessing us today. Why? Because she surrendered. She she had pain like you and I. She decided not to quit. She had voices like you and I. She decided to ignore them. She did not get bitter. She, she couldn't eat the meat, but she found the favor. She received the love of her husband and didn't poison him with her bitterness. And she pursued. So I'm telling you this day, I don't know where you are and you walk with the Lord. But I want you to know that I know that the fact of the matter is that we are all going to experience pain. But the truth of the matter is that God's goodness and his faithfulness is guaranteed. God bless you.